0: All right, take your Bibles to First Timothy chapter 2 tonight, if you would. This whole series that we've been doing on standards and convictions has been part of our series on what I believe and why. And uh, most of the things that we've talked about so far, and this has been a, I say, a very long series, I suppose everything that we talk about could fit under that category of what we believe and why we believe it, but... There's a, lot of, there's a lot of passages that we talk about, or a lot of things that we talk about, we do this, or we don't do this, that we don't really know why we do it, or why we don't do it, it's just that's what we've always done, especially if you've grown up in any uh, kind of independent Baptist church, or something like that, it's what we've always done, and so I've, it's been necessary to go through a lot of these things, and explain why we do them, or explain why we don't do them. And uh, Most of the things that we've talked about so far, I've taken a week or two to go through, and Some of the things that are lesser studied topics, but that are very important topics and carry kind of the same significance, we've taken a little bit longer on. Music is an issue. It's a big issue in a lot of churches today. It's an an issue that's slipping in a lot of places, and when the music slips, everything else slips along with it, especially if you're moving into that contemporary direction, the rock. Direction is, which is basically what that contemporary music a lot of times is. But we took twenty weeks to talk about that to make sure that we understand it. And when it comes to this idea of standards and convictions, this is going to be our fourteenth lesson on the idea of standards and convictions because it's found all throughout the Bible. But it's a far lesser taught topic. It's a far lesser understood topic. Um, and, and I think because it goes against our cultural norms and most people choose not to address it. And that's, it's not some, this is not something that's a primary focus for us, um, especially when it comes to winning souls, influencing our community for Christ and all those things. There are, there are a lot of things that are, that are much more important than this. But when we find things in the Word of God, like them or not, we have to address them. And since this is a misunderstood or less understood topic... I think it becomes necessary for us to spend more time on it so that there is no confusion when it comes to what we should be doing and not be doing. So having said that, let me step back, because it's been a few weeks since we've, we've talked about this. Basically, I think all the way through December, we had a lot of Wednesdays where we did different things, and uh, so I don't know if we did any of this in, in I say Wednesdays, uh, Sunday nights uh, in, in December that we did different things, and so let me just kind of review where we are. Um, when it comes to, we spend a lot of time talking about what standards are, what convictions are, what preferences are, and those kind of things. But um, in relation to our clothing, the Word of God describes clothing as having four different uses. The moral use, the practical use, the aesthetic use, and the religious use. And and the first of those, the moral use, is to cover ourselves up, right? And that's uh, honestly that we, we discussed the ramifications of that, for modesty and why it's important that we cover up in the intersection of modesty and lust. And then in the other three uses, um, the practical use is, is largely self-guided. It's it's guided by modesty, but uh, obviously we have to wear clothing, right? And when we talk about the practical use, we're talking about wearing more clothes in the winter to cover up because it's cold or less in the summer because... Uh, uh, because it's hot, but those are impacted by modesty as well. The religious one is, we don't use that today. We don't, we don't wear religious clothing, so to speak, like the priests and the Levites and all of those did, but the one that we do see uh, used often in relation to us today is the, the aesthetic use, and it's very widely used today, and there's one particular Bible principle that really directly relates to that, and that is the principle of vanity, And we've mentioned this, we've talked a little bit about it, but I want to define that biblical concept of vanity, and then give you some applications of that in our lives, and that's what we'll talk about tonight. So let's get right into it. Uh, First of all, using clothing as a means of decorating or beautifying is never directly condemned in Scripture. Um, It's it's an assumed fact that it has both good and bad context. We see a good, and I I won't have you turn there, um, but in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 2... John, the Apostle John, is liking the New Jerusalem to a bride adorned for her husband, right? That's clearly a positive reference. We see that a lot in, even in the Old Testament, right? Uh, a bride adorned, which means obviously she's, she is beautifying herself, if you will. But we do see one that's in a negative context there in 1 Timothy chapter 2, and there's, there's other places where this very same idea is, is brought out, but we'll just look at one tonight there in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. It says, In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array. Right? That's obviously in a negative context that you hear a woman adorning herself. Um, we also see that our, our creator designed his creation as very practical, yes, but he also adorned it very luxuriously doesn't take a very long walk in nature to look at the trees and the uh, and the and the flowers and the water and all of this stuff, especially when you put it together, to notice that, right, and to see that God just beautifully adorns his creation. Uh, the same thing, I mean, you, especially where we live, and I know maybe some of you that live out a little bit more and, and maybe not around all the city lights and everything else, you can see the beautiful sunrise, beautiful sunset. I mean, God is just painting the canvas of the sky in that way, and, uh, you know, uh, this aesthetic beauty is not only found in what we might call the inanimate world. You see, uh, you see it in, in nature when it comes to beautiful animals. Have you ever seen an animal in slow motion? Right? A bird flying or a, a cheetah running or, or a lion, you know, something of those kind of things. Especially when you see that. I mean, it's just beautiful, beautiful things that God has created. And So say what you will, you have to admit that God is creative and he's artistic. He loves to decorate things beautifully. And he made us like him. We delight in beauty. Right? You see a, a picture that's beautiful, whether it's a, a picture that somebody painted or a picture that somebody took with a camera, and you just sit there and you're just in awe of it, right? Because we love, naturally, we love beauty, we love color, we love decoration, we love adornment. There's nothing intrinsically or automatically wrong with that. There is, however, or should I say, there can be a problem here, though. Uh, It's when the scripturally acceptable concept of adornment is influenced by or marked by or motivated by vanity that we have perverted what God meant for good into something that's actually bad. So, what is vanity then? Well, turn over to Isaiah 41. See, we find that some forms, some form of the word vanity is used 211 times in our King James Bible. Now, obviously, uh, Solomon talked a whole lot about that, right? He, He used that word vanity many, many times, especially in Ecclesiastes, and he said, everything's vanity, it's all vanity, it's all vanity, right? And so I think 210 of those times are in Ecclesiastes, but I'm kidding, it's not, but the dictionary defines vanity as worthless, empty of value, excessive pride in one's appearance or accomplishments, A dressing table. That's the that's the the way the dictionary defines it. And honestly, those last two, you can uh, the understandings of that term flow from the former uses of that term. Worthless, empty of value. That's what vanity really is. And so the scriptural usage really carries that same basic idea. Isaiah here is is he's given us a passage in in basically in which he's comparing men with God, and he says this. And I'm just going to pull one verse out for the sake of time. Verse 29. Behold, they are all vanity. Their works are nothing. Their molten images are wind and confusion. So vanity here is literally being equated with nothingness. Right? Scripture refers to sowing seeds in vain, laboring in vain, uh, comforting in vain, meaning nothing of any value is being accomplished in those things. The effort was worthless, so to speak. The Word of God also connects these words, uh, this, this, this vanity, this word vanity with our words. He talks about vain speech, vain words, vain thoughts, vain, vain talk, right? Babbling. That's a word the Bible uses, but that's a similar word that carries the same connotation of worthless speech, right? There, there are words that are empty of any real value. By the way, the Bible says that we're going to give account to God for every idle word that we speak. What a, uh, that really ought to give us pause in thinking about what we say before we say it, Right? every idle word. It, to me, that means that, that God is up there in heaven. Oh, there's another one. I need to write that down. Oh, there's another one. And we're going to have to give account for every single idle word that we speak? That ought to really make us stop and think about what we say before we say it. But then when the Bible talks about these, our speech in this way, vain speech, vain words, you know, vain thoughts, it means that they're empty, they're worthless, there's nothing to them. For example, using the word God without talking to him, right? The Bible says that that is taking God's name in vain. It's making God's name worthless. It's making God's name empty, right? And we hear people use God's name in vain all the time, but it's a pointless, empty usage of God's name, of of the word God. God loves prayer, but he condemns vain repetitions, right? That's one of the things that he condemned about the Pharisees. He said, oh, all they want to do is, is have these vain repetitions so people will notice them while they're praying. Um, you know, empty, meaningless phrases that cover as prayer. And by the way, I think that's something that we need to be careful about too. I'm not saying that we have a problem with that in our church, but it's something that especially as you're praying, and, 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 and I know, especially when people are praying in public, sometimes they're nervous and they don't know what to say next, and so they just fill it with what? Lord right? And Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the way, Lord, that you've given us this thing, Lord, right? That, that's really vain repetition. It's used, I mean, do you ever talk to somebody like that, right? Hey, Jackson, I just wanted to Jackson say hi, Jackson, since I, Jackson, haven't seen you, Jackson, in the last couple of weeks, Jackson. Right? We don't talk that way to, to people, right? It's using somebody's name in vain, essentially, but we do it with God all the time. So, it, again, it's a thing where we ought to be measuring our words. We ought to be paying attention to what we're saying. We ought to be paying attention to how we're praying to God. Because then, at that point, we are no different than the Pharisees when it comes to those vain repetitions in our prayer. But that's not really what we're talking about tonight. But I, I think this, uh, you know, even more uh, along those lines would be, you know, the, the classic Hail Mary prayers, right? It doesn't mean anything when they're saying it. They're just saying it over and over and over and over again because they're just repeating what they've always heard, repeating what they're supposed to be repeating. And it's empty, it's worthless, it's meaningless. You're not praying to God. You're just saying words at that point because you think somehow it's going to help. Vanity is a cousin to pride. In fact, turn over to Psalm 39. It's a cousin to pride, both in definition and in real life. And when I say cousin, they're very, very closely related to each other. This emptiness, this worthlessness, and pride really go hand in hand. Psalm 39 really talks about this in relation to uh, money. Verse number six, surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they're disquieted in vain. He heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them. Right? What he's talking about is collecting money to display my wealth is is pointless. It's purposeless. It's a useless exercise. If If I'm gathering everything that I gather just so I can say this is how much I'm worth, then what's the point? Right? If you're gathering that money so that you can use it for missions or use it for, you know, God's service in some way or something like that, then, then great. But if you're just gathering money so you can say, This is how much money I have, and again, doesn't mean that it's wrong for you to save up money for retirement or any of those kind of things. I'm not don't don't get me wrong with that. I, I think you should. The Bible says, you know, what man having uh you know planned to build a building hasn't sat down and counted the cost and you know gathered all those things together first, so I'm not saying that, that you should just, you know, throw all your money away, but I'm trying to get people to notice me, to be impressed by me because of my money, and that's simply worthless vanity, I mean, you see that happening all the time when, when people choose the vehicle that they get, right, well, I'm going to buy a Cadillac because then people will know that I have money, right, I'm going to put these really expensive rims on it because then people will know I have money and you go back home to your little shack, right. That's the way it happens a lot of times, but, but it's, it, again, you know, we saw it all the time on our bus route, you know, these, uh, uh, these guys that are out there, and, and, and I'm not trying to put all of them in the, same, you know, in the same boat, but a lot of drug dealers and things like that is, you know, that's where they get their money from, but, I mean, they drive the fanciest, nicest car, you know, it's got all these things on it, and then they pull into their driveway at home, and you're like, you live in that, right? It's because they, they don't care, What people don't see, they only care about what everybody sees, and as long as I'm in public and everybody's noticing how much money I have, then that's what I wanted people to see. That's what we're talking about when it comes to this idea of vanity. It's an empty show or a display that feeds my pride. I've gotten attention, yes, but it's a fleeting attention, it's a worthless, it's an empty attention. Think of the modern-day YouTube star, right, or the Instagram influencer, That's, that's who... That's who you think of when you think of this empty, vain, worthless, you know, you're doing all of this stuff and it's fleeting. It's going to be gone before you know it. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 26 says, let us not be desirous of vain glory. And that's exactly what most people are doing today. We're going to look at the application in a minute, but you can already kind of see the connection between the principle of vanity and our appearance. If vanity is an empty, worthless display that feeds our pride, then that certainly applies to how we present ourselves to the world, right? Vanity is worthless for one other reason. It celebrates that which is temporary. Look at, let's look at Psalm 39 together. Scripture tells us, the Bible tells us, that the holy life is a beautiful life. Four different times the Bible says that. The holy life is a beautiful life. Contrast that in your mind with the kind of appearance the worldly beauty industry strives to obtain, it's this momentary candle flicker, fast, fleeting away fame, popularity, you know, beauty, if you will. Psalm 39, verse 11 says, when thou with rebukes dost correct man for iniquity, thou makes his beauty to consume away like a moth. Surely every man is vanity. Proverbs 31, verse 30 if, you, if you're quick enough, you can get over there, but I'm just going to read it. Proverbs 31 and verse 30 says, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Now, you know Psalm thir- uh, Proverbs 31, right? Uh, not the entire chapter, but a lot of the chapter talks about uh, uh, the, the uh, what's the name? The woman, but what do we call it? The, uh, the virtuous woman, thank you. That's what I'm trying to think of. Most of that chapter talks about that, and, and this kind of sums it all all up. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Why is this kind of beauty vain? Well, it's because it's, it's worthless beauty. It's an empty beauty. It's a beauty that produces conceit in a pretty girl or, honestly, even in a handsome guy. And it lasts for just a moment compared with eternity. And to focus on that fleeting beauty, to focus... Uh, on, uh, on those things that are temporary, to celebrate it, to admire it, to promote it, to indulge in it, to glory in it, to, to revel in it uh, in such a way as to get attention, that's what we're talking about when it's worthless, pointless vanity. Vanity is an empty show or display that simply feeds my pride. Our appearance matters, and yes, our heart matters more. Right, Man looketh on the outward appearance, God looketh on the heart, but the reason our appearance matters is because our appearance is a reflection of our hearts. Our outer or visible persona is an expression of that inward man, so how we portray ourselves to the world is a walking testimony of what Jesus Christ has done on the inside. It's a walking testimony to what we believe, it's a walking testimony to what we don't believe, what we value, what we cast aside. With well, that being the case, there's a variety of, of biblical principles, I think, that have direct bearing on our appearance, and really I only want to look at a couple of those things tonight. So turn over to 2 Samuel chapter 6, we're going to get there in, in just a little bit, but I want to give you a couple practical applications of this principle of vanity. So now we've talked about it, we, we've seen some examples in the Bible, and obviously there's, we could, we could we could really do an in-depth study and look at every, every one of those 211 uses of that word vanity and really get an idea, but just giving you a synopsis of that tonight. But the first one I want you to see is this. The scriptural principle of vanity does not limit or eliminate the aesthetic use of clothing. In other words, it doesn't mean that you can't dress up doesn't mean that you can't wear makeup. There's a lot of, a lot of uh, denominations out there, if you will, and I, I don't know of any Baptist churches that do it. I'm sure there are some, but, but that say you can't wear makeup at all, right? No makeup, no earrings, no necklace, no, nothing that makes you, you know, try to, to look beautiful or anything like that. We've mentioned already tonight that there are four biblical uses of clothing, and one of those uses is to adorn or decorate or beautify. And, and honestly, that's where the, the Mennonites, or, or even, even more so the Amish, disagree, but I believe that the Bible principle of vanity doesn't rule out clothes to adorn or decorate or beautify. There's nothing wrong. We see that so many times in the Bible, uh, that, that somebody decorated or adorned or beautified themselves, and it was not given in a wrong way. So I don't think that's, that, that that's wrong, but you, know, you might be saying, but, but that doesn't make sense if, you know, if beauty is vain because it's temporary and, and feeds my pride for me to to adorn myself or my clothing with anything beautiful, then it must be wrong. And honestly, that's, that's the Amish mindset, right? You're only allowed to wear black or, or dark colors and they can only be plain and you're not allowed to wear makeup, no no jewelry, none of those things because if you do any of that kind of stuff, it's just pride. That's the only reason anybody would dress up and try to make themselves look beautiful. That's, that's why the Amish wear what they wear, right? Uh, same thing with wearing bonnets. They wear bonnets because if, if, if you let your hair grow long and you know, your hair could be vanity, it could be a vain show, and you're only doing it because you want people to see how beautiful you are. And, and, you know, if that's their mindset, then so be it. But I don't think intrinsically or automatically to adorn yourself or to beautify yourself means that you have pride and that you are trying to, you know, uh, have this empty show of vanity, it's one thing to look nice and put together, it's another thing to try to impress other people in such a way that they notice your fill in the blank, whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to get people to notice, and marvel at you, and it's for that reason that we have to be cautious about making hard and fast rules about uh, clothing in this area, I've, I've heard many times, and this is, you know, this goes back into the 70s and the 80s, but, you know, a lot of preachers were preaching against wearing horn-rimmed glasses, right, it was wicked to wear horn-rimmed glasses, you know, <laughs> Um, a, a, even even like in the church that I grew up in, they, they, we were only allowed to wear a light shirt or a white shirt. If you wore something that was darker than a white shirt, then, well, you were, you know, you were following the patterns of the world and you were trying to get people to notice you and you're only dressing for that. And, and again, you know, uh, I understand where people are coming from when they make those rules and when they, when they say those things. But you have to be able to back it up with the word of God if you're going to make those rules. And the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt not wear horn-rimmed glasses, right? Or or any of those kind of things. And so, um, you know, even to the point where, where, again, people do um, uh, go against rings or earrings or, you know, tassels on your loafers or cuffs on your pants or pleats in your pants or any of those kind of things. And again, they could possibly be something that moves into sin when it moves into vanity. And we're going to explain that in a little bit, but... I was actually listening to a, uh, and I think it happened to be a Pentecostal preacher, and it was it was just this very small clip. I, I wasn't uh, I wasn't on a Pentecostal website listening to messages, but um, this guy, and he was just, I mean, he was hollering about this. Some of you people in here in this Pentecostal church that are walking around wearing your beards, that's not Pentecostal. You look like the world. You go outside the church and you see everybody wearing beards. Th- you should never see a beard in a Pentecostal church. <laughs> Where does that say that in the Bible, right? I mean, preaching and hollering against it. And, and again, I think that's where we have to be careful. If you're wearing a beard because you want people to say, wow, that's a fine-looking beard you got there, you know, then, then okay, that's where it moves into that principle of vanity. But if you're just wearing a beard because you like the way it feels or you like the way it looks or whatever else, It's uh, again. It's it's where that principle of vanity kind of gets a little bit of a gray area. But I think that really reveals a misunderstanding of what vanity is. Vanity is not the adornment. Vanity is the wrong heart that's under that adornment. And again, that's something that's very hard to put your finger on because I can't open up your chest and see your heart. I don't know what your heart is when it comes to those kind of things. So. That's why you can, honestly, you could have two people wearing the exact thing, and it's uh, the exact same thing, and it's okay for one person and not okay for the other one, right? One of them's wearing it because they were like, hey, this is all I can find. You know, this is what I wear when I don't care how I look, right? And then somebody else who who is out there saying, boy, everybody's going to notice how beautiful I am in this thing or how good I look in this thing, right? Why is that? It's because for the one, the decoration is feeding their pride. For the other one, it's not. So understanding that then leads to our second application, which is, Vanity is inside out, right? It's a heart problem that shows itself outwardly in our appearance. That's the reason you cannot guard against vanity by making rules that limit certain kind of bows or buttons or fabric or lace or fake fingernails or eyelashes or hair extensions or any of those other things. It's hard to make a rule against that, right? I don't think you should make a rule against that kind of stuff because, again, it's, it's based on the inside out, the heart showing itself. You can't protect against it by, intrinsic, uh, by, by insisting on bland colors, right? Again, that's what the Amish do. A lot of the Mennonites do the same thing. You know, you have to wear gray. You have to wear muted brown. You have to wear black because anything other than that is just to show. If you're wearing a bright-colored shirt, then you're doing it because you're trying to get people to look at you. And again, I, I don't think that's right. I, I think it, it could be that. And in that case, it would be wrong for you to wear that. But again, that's, that's only you that can decide whether you're doing it the right heart or not, right? Um, and, I, and I can promise you that, our, that the more conservative Mennonite friends that we have are still struggling with vanity in their heart because my black dress looks nicer than your black dress, right? Uh, and, and again... It's because we're humans and we all have that kind of tendency where in some instances we feel like we're in competition with somebody else who is dressing better than us or looking better than us or whatever else. It's, it's a natural thing that we have to fight, but it's a humanity-wide problem because it's a heart problem. And on the opposite side of that coin, immodesty too can be driven not out of a sense of sensuality but out of vanity. Look in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse number 20. You know this story. They brought the ark of God back to Israel, and David was so excited, we find there in verse number 20, David returned to bless his household after he had you know, made a show of bringing the ark back into Bethlehem, uh, or Jer- Jerusalem, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David. She was his wife at that point, and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovereth himself. I realize that in this case, obviously, God did not curse David for doing what he did. God cursed Michael. Right? He said, All right, you you want to act like that, you're not gonna have children, you're gonna be barren, and so on. Uh, and I realized that Michael was incorrect here, but her point is not always incorrect. Right? People do uncover themselves in a vain desire for other people to see their flesh. I know Brian can attest to this as well, but I've spent more than enough time in the gym to see this, right? Uh, you can lift weights or stretch or run equally well in baggy clothes as you can in tight ones, but so many people that go to the gym are wearing these tight clothes because they want people to see them, right? Uh, and, and, and again, that's, that's where, you know, it's, it can be a dangerous thing to go to the gym, And it's sad that in a world that we live in today, you can't even go work out in a place where there's workout equipment and everything else, but you have so many people that are so interested in nothing other than showing off their bodies for other people to see. That's wrong. Not just that it's immodest because you are uncovering yourself in the moral use of our clothing, but the aesthetic use of your clothing is only there, not so you can work out better because you can work out in baggy clothes just as easily as you can work out in tight clothes, but you're wearing tight clothes because you want people to notice your body, right? And again, that's where it moves into that idea of vanity. And, and then what happens is they're constantly glancing around to see who's watching them and you know, see who's paying attention to them and everything else. It's funny, honestly, to watch some of these people. You, know, you can tell the ones who are there to get a workout and actually get back in shape, and the ones who are there because they're trying to get other people to look at them, right? Um, but that... that that, that idea of uncovering yourself for the sake of vanity not only is it immodest, but it's vain, and it's what God warns us against. Contrast the shamelessly uncovering with the shamefacedness and sobriety that we find in the New Testament, and modesty that we find in the New Testament. That, shame, that shameless uncovering is nothing more than a desire to display yourself in order to get some worthless, empty attention, Right? Think about the fashion industry. The, the, the last thing that I desire to do is watch some fashion show where these people are walking up and down the runway. I've never in my life had any desire to watch it. I've never sat down to watch it, but every once in a while you'll see some of these things because really, because somebody put a clip on there because of how ridiculous it is. right? But you see these people walking back and forth on the runway and, and uh, doing their uh, you know showing off the clothing, that's the new fashions, but I. You know, much of the time, if not most of the time, the models that are marching down this runway in Paris or New York are immodest, yes, but their industry is not actually built on immodesty. It is immodest. Most of the things that they're wearing are, you know, they're not covering up enough. Larry Brown used to say, not covering up, uh, don't have enough clothes on to make a pair of leggings for a hummingbird, right? And that's the way that it is a lot of times with these people, and, and it is about immodesty, but it's, it's less about immodesty and more about vanity. Look at me. And if you wear this, everybody's going to be looking at you, too. You can be just like me. You can, you can wear these things, and it's, it's built on that vanity. And by definition, every session's fashion is temporary, right? Because that thing that you bought and wore today is so out of style, right? Right? You're wearing that? That was so two months ago, right? I mean, that, but that's what the fashion industry is, and they're constantly, right? That, I mean, look, think about it just as simple as something with a tie, right? Wasn't all that long ago that a tie this wide was what was in style, right? And now you've got a whole closet full of ties that are this wide, and then they went like this, and now if you don't have a tie that looks like a pencil hanging around your neck, you're out of style. So what does everybody do? Everybody goes and gets a bunch of ties that are the size of a pencil, and the next thing the ties get wider, right? And it's, it's, it's built on making money, obviously. But it's built on, if you don't do this, people are going to look at you like you're weird. You better do this like all of us. And it turns into that idea of vanity, right? The dress or the undress gets more and more outlandish, and some of the things that they show are just downright ridiculous. I've seen some pictures of some of these runway uh, things, and, 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 I mean, it's just what anybody put that on, right? Uh, let alone the people who are in, interested in the fashion industry. But why is that? It's to get attention. And why is that? Because of vanity, so when a, when a Christian follows the fashion industry, that Christian is embracing a vain lifestyle. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you've got to go wear a potato sack so that you're not, you know, uh, following the fashions of the world. There's Nothing wrong with looking your best, right? And you ought to do the best that you can to look neat. But they're valuing that which is temporary, that which is essentially worthless, and at the end of the day, it's, it's what feeds your pride. By the way, that's not only true for women, either. There's a lot of young men out there that, that need to sport the latest uh, designer athletic shoes in order to fit in with the crowd, right? I've got to have Nike Airs or, you know, whatever these shoes are that are being uh, endorsed by this particular athlete at this time. You know, I've got to have the latest shoes and all of those things, and, you know, um, you know it's, it's just so they can be seen wearing it. It's nothing more or less than vanity, and honestly, you add to that the trend of these skinny jeans that all these guys are wearing now. Um, and even the athletic uh, pants, you know, that, that are just, they've gotten to the point where they're so skin tight, you can't even, you know, th- there's nothing left to the imagination. Was that with you? Boy, we saw this guy. We were at the gas station, Brian and I, and, and this guy jumps out of his car, and he was driving like a BMW. It was, it was a nice car, but it wasn't like really fancy. Jumped out of his car, and his pants were so tight, it was like he was walking like this because he couldn't even move them. I could read the credit card numbers on the credit cards that was in his pocket. That's how tight his pants were. But again, it's why why are they doing that kind of stuff? It's because of vanity. I want people to see that my legs are muscular, right? I want people to think that I'm built, you know, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's not because you're trying to dress and look nice. It's because you're trying to be fashion. You're trying to be in style. You're trying to be the latest trend. You're trying to get people to notice you. Oh, and what, we noticed him, all right, but, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's the way you want people to notice you or not, but the Bible principle of vanity has direct bearing on the choices that we make in relation to our appearance, and having said that, you can't necessarily look at somebody else and, and, and say, you're vain. You know, sometimes it's, it's pretty obvious, um, but I can and I should, however, examine my own heart, and while the aesthetic use of clothing is scripturally permissible... It crosses the line into vanity when it feeds my pride. So again, that's something that every single one of us has to has to decide uh, on our own. Right? Am I doing this because I'm trying to to dress nice and to look look you know look presentable, right? Or am I doing it because I want people to say, "Wow, look at him! Look at how he's dressed! Look at how his hair is combed! Look at how his you know he's he's got the latest shoes and whatever else." that's, that is something, again, I can't, I, you know, you're wearing a pair of Nike Air Jordans or whatever else. I can't say, oh, you're vain. You might have just walked to the store and you saw the Nike Airs and you were like, oh, those are nice shoes. I think I'll buy those. And they just happen to be what people are, you know, wearing nowadays. I, you know, so, again, it's hard for us to say, stop being vain. Take those shoes off, right? Because I don't know your heart. But we know our own hearts and we have to make those decisions for ourselves. Why are we doing the things that we're doing? So I I cannot, I must not, and I'll end with this phrase. Brother Josh, if you put this up there, or Lydia. I must not value the temporary. I must not prioritize earthly beauty. I must not prize attention or glory. I must not value in my heart that which is essentially empty and worthless. It's acceptable to look good, but I must guard against vanity. That's that's, That's what I want you to get from this whole thing today. I have to guard against those things. You know what vanity is now. It's empty. It's worthless. It's pointless. It's temporary. It's fleeting. It counts for nothing. And so when my appearance is built on that idea of vanity because I'm proud of how I look, proud of the way I dress, proud of the things that I wear because people are going to notice me and it's showing everybody that I've got money or whatever else, whatever other reason it is that you're doing it for, um, it's acceptable to look good but I must guard against vanity in my heart. And again, that changes sometimes the things that you wear, right? Wow, boy, if I wear that thing, people are really going to notice me, and they're going to really think I look good, and that's going to accent my figure, and they're going to really think that I'm, you know, in shape, or I work out, or I do this, or I do that. And, and again, that's where it crosses that line from something that's good and acceptable, adorning our bodies in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, to something that crosses that line, and moves into pride and vanity, which is not acceptable to the Lord. All right, let's pray. We'll be done. Father, we love you. Give we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for an opportunity we have to spend around your word. Thank you for the fellowship that we can have amongst our, our Christian brothers and sisters. And God, I thank you so much for what you've given us here. I do pray that you'd help us to guard against those things. Make sure that we're not moving uh, into the idea of vanity by the things that we were. I pray that you'd help us to stay humble before you so that we can be used by you in the greatest way possible. Thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen.